Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. I'm so glad to have you along with us today as we get into the word of God, talk about it, pray about it, allow it to transform our lives. Remember, the world's always giving us messages and God gives us messages too. We want his word to fill us because we love him and we're his children. Amen. When was the last time you heard a message on judgment? The end of the world, not just that isn't it going to be wonderful when Jesus comes back and takes us to heaven, but you know, the focus of the second coming is God will rescue us who are believers, but believe me, the message of the second coming is it's going to be a time of judgment. And that's what needs to be a message warned and and declared loud and clear so people understand it. Let's look at what the Scripture says on this. In 2 Peter, we talked yesterday about the idea that Peter tells us, he reminds us, Peter's, you know, he doesn't have many days left. So he's reminding us of things that are really important. Chapter 1, he reminded us about the importance of the Word of God and to know that it's not up to just us interpreting however we want, but we've got to understand what God's really saying. Here in chapter 3, he reminds us again, he's saying, know this first of all. He's reminding us something very important. What is it? That in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. We talked about this yesterday, being mocked for our faith and people who are just following their lust. That's why they mock us. But we're going to see something else they mock here in just a moment. What are they saying? They say, where's the promise of his coming? You guys have been talking about this second coming of Jesus for a long time. People talked about it hundreds of years ago. Where is this promise? Why isn't he here yet? And then they add, forever since the, the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. They have a perspective of history that things just just kind of like the deist idea that God you know, wind, creates the clock, winds it up, and lets it run. Or the evolutionary idea that there's all just this slow change, that to understand the past, that to understand the present is the key to the past. Indeed, this is what much of modern science is based on, is it not? That we can look at present uh, events, present activities in the natural world, <clears throat> And assume it's been that way always. It's called uniformitarianism. And of course, there's a problem with this. And that is we don't know what history really was like unless we talk to somebody who was there. And the best way to know what's happened in history is to get an eyewitness account. And the eyewitness account comes from God himself. So these people who are saying, where is this coming? You guys have been saying this forever. There's not a judgment coming. There's not an end of the world coming. All's going on just like it always has been. People have been saying this a long time. It's been this way always. But they forget something. And one thing they forget, the very next verse here in Peter, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. All right, now that's really interesting. Let's let's think about this for a moment. They're they're contain they're contending and maintaining everything just goes on as it is, but they something escapes their notice. Number one, the world was created. It's not been around billions and billions and billions of years. 
The world was created by the supernatural power of God. We read about it in Genesis chapter 1. The earth was covered with water, and out of this, then the dry land formed. This was the creation event, the first act of God here in our universe, of which us humans were involved in that we know of. But after that, there's another significant event, by, through which at that time, what's it say? At that time, the world was destroyed, being flooded with water. What's this talking about? Well, it's talking about the flood of Noah. And my friends, flooding can be a terrible disaster. If you've ever seen a flood or the results of a flood, you realize in a short time, it can create tremendous havoc, tremendous disaster, tremendous destruction. Well, this was a flood that covered the earth for nearly a year. It rained and flooded for 40 days and nights, and it wasn't just water coming down from above where the heavens were opened up and the deluge came forth. Rather, we also see that it says the deeps were broken up. There were most likely earthquakes, most likely volcanoes. Uh, the, the, the whole earth shook. The whole earth was rattled. It was a judgment of God. It was a destruction. And God was angry. Now, it's interestingly... Why was God upset? Why did God judge it? Why did God even regret that he'd made people? Well, there was the, you know, and in Genesis chapters beginning with 6 and 7, we read about how the, evidently these Nephilim, these uh, angels or whatever, were uh, coming down and breeding with women or whatever they were doing there. That verse is kind of unclear what that means. But a little bit later on, it says the earth I think it was 11 or 12, the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence. Early on, you see at chapter 6, Genesis, immorality. Later on, violence. These were the things that God regretted he'd made man because man's heart had been fully given to do evil. Wow, kind of sounds like we're living in the days of Noah now, doesn't it? At least in our country, as the judgments are coming upon, as God has removed much of his protection from our land, as we've basically said, God, forget you, we're not interested in you, stay out of our lives. And we've seen this, as Romans 1 would tell us, this onslaught of immorality, this onslaught of depravity, and this onslaught of, of, of a depraved mind that would do all kinds of violence. The world doesn't continue always as it has been. I'm a young earth creationist. I believe the earth hasn't been around all that long, but there's been some periods of strong judgment from God. Of course, we have the creation, but then we have the flood. We have Sodom and Gomorrah later on. Of course, the greatest judgment ever was the judgment Jesus bore for us upon the cross. Never forget that. But we have a warning that there is a judgment coming. And keep in mind, friends, the second coming... It's a warning that God will judge. God will judge. We as Christians often look forward to it as something good, the rapture. But keep in mind, the, the, the emphasis in Scripture is what? Well, let's read the rest of the verse right here. But by His Word, starting in the middle of the paragraph here, verse 7, by His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That's what's coming. 
and it's up to us to sound a warning. Now, why don't we talk about this more? Well, obviously, it's not a real pleasant subject. No one likes to think about judgment. No one likes to think a lot about hell. I believe in judgment. I believe in hell. But obviously, if you think about it all the time, that's that's kind of hard. That's pretty tough. That's that's uh, uh, it, it's it's not only scary; it's disturbing to consider the judgment that people that we know and love could be under. And so, it's just easy to forget about it. Well, we've got to remind people because the ungodly they want to forget about it. Now, it's interesting. In Psalm 10, we see an ungodly man and his thoughts about judgment. The, the, the psalmist is lamenting and concerned. Why did the ungodly prosper? Why are they ungodly? God, why are you allowing the ungodly to get ahead, even to remain on earth? And he describes them, and there's a little st- three statements in here that I have found to be true of the ungodly in our day too. In Psalm 10, verse 4, it's, it's talking a lot about what he does and his wickedness and so on, but there's four interesting thoughts he has about God. Verse 4, he says, all his thoughts are, there is no God. And indeed, that's common today. Atheism is on the rise. Agnosticism is on the rise. There's no God. This is what secular humanism teaches. There's no God. If there is, he's silent. He's not around. But there's no God. But notice in Psalm 10, back to Psalm 10, first he says there's no God. Second, he says, he says to himself, God has forgotten. He's hidden his face. He'll never see it. So he goes from saying there's no God to saying, oh, there's some God. If there is a God, he's impersonal or he doesn't care. He's not going to watch. He's not, a, he's not a God who sees. He's not a God who's taken account. He's not a very big God. And then his final thought, verse 13, why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, you will not require it. How interesting is that? I hear this from hecklers on campus so often. They'll start the day earlier. They'll be arguing there's no God. And then these same people will be arguing later on saying, well, if there is a God, he doesn't really see it, I do. And then, if the, and then later on, in the same day, they'll be saying, well, if he sees, he doesn't care. He's not a God of judgment. After all, God loves me. This, and believe me, you, would, you wouldn't believe it, but I have atheists on campus who by the end of the day are contending God loves them when they started just an hour or two earlier saying there isn't even a God. You see, there's a better path. The better path is repentance. The better path is to say, there is a God. He sees what I do. I am guilty. I'm under judgment. Jesus bore the judgment for me. That's the better path. That's the way out. All this other is denial. There's no God. You're living in denial. There's no, he doesn't see. You're living in denial. He's not going to judge. You're living in denial. The reality is there is a God. He does see he does know, and he will keep take bring every act into judgment. This is why we need Jesus Christ. This is why we need Jesus Christ. The judgment reminds us of our need of salvation. Don't shy away from speaking about it. Don't shy away from saying it. It was a major message of the, of the prophets. It was a major message of Jesus Christ. It was a major message of Paul, of Peter, all throughout the Bible, it's been a major message of any revival that's ever occurred. It's a tough message. It's a tough message, but it's in the Bible, and it's true. We've got to believe it. We've got to proclaim it. Father in heaven, we thank you today that you are a holy God and a God of judgment, and you are reserving this present heavens and earth for the day of destruction 
and judgment of a holy God of ungodly people. Oh, Father, we thank you for this day of mercy. We thank you for the opportunity for people to be saved. We thank you that you have called us into salvation. We have had faith in Jesus Christ. How we pray in this day when your hand of judgment is stayed and it's not yet come. You do see. You are there. You do see. You will require it. And I pray, Father, help us to sound that message loud and clear. And the people, I know some will mock it. I pray that wouldn't stop us. I pray some will ridicule it. That would not stop us. Some will deny it that that would not stop us from proclaiming your truth. It's in the Bible. It's true, and we believe it. We live today, Father, in light of that day. We acknowledge that you'll bring, that, that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We pray we'd be ready. We pray we'd live this day in light of that day. Give us your grace and your strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, folks. It is in the Bible, it is true, and we believe it, and we live in light of it. And that's why we come here every day. One reason, of course, is just to be encouraged and strengthened and reminded. This is not a new message. You've probably heard this before, but when was the last time you thought about it? That's why we need to get in the Bible, and we need to hear God's Word taught and preached to stir us up, to remember the truth and to live in light of it. We get so many messages that tell us otherwise, and we want to be people who build our lives on the Word of God. So if you're new, a special welcome to you. I hope you do subscribe. Leave a message below. Leave a comment. Let me know who you are, where you, how you know about me, how you found this video. Uh, if you know me from, other, from before or if you just happen to come across it, I'd love to hear from you. Share this video with your friends. We all need to be in the Word of God. The more, the better. The more, the better. Amen? So until we meet tomorrow, Might God bless you, strengthen you, help you live this day in light of that day. Remember, we'll all stand before the Lord one day, and we stand there in Jesus Christ, holy, blameless, with great joy. Let's live in that victory today. Amen? I love you guys. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.